to this month's Horton Hangout. I'm Laura Horton and I'm joined with my lovely colleague. Hello, I'm Mike Bentley for those of you that don't know me. Hello. Uh, so this is the only Horton Hangout of the month and we've got uh, lots of questions to get through. Uh, we're actually really enjoying that people are just sending us questions, particularly through Facebook message, um, you know, as um, things come up in their minds, which is really good. So uh, we don't necessarily need to be like, send us questions, send us questions. We're getting lots through. <laughs> uh, so I've got a really good one. Well, they're all really good, actually. I have to say, in all honesty, we never say, oh, that's one we can't answer or that's, you know, we, we always get good questions. So this first one, how would you organise or slash split a practice manager's week in an ideal world? Well, firstly, I think the ideal world uh, is something really important to discuss. And um, I think you really need to start, all practice managers need to start by working out actually what are they doing um, day to day, what projects are there to work on as well. And once you have all that in black and white, then it's important to speak to your practice owner and say, well, these are all the things I am doing. These are the things I'm meant to be doing. I definitely don't have time for this section and this section. What do you want me to do? Because often we find that practice managers are, are firefighting, they're working in reactive management, and then um, they're not actually doing the things that the practice owners want them to do, and there becomes a breakdown in communication. And we know this because we run a management course. Um, and I'm in one of my days, I spend a lot of time on time management because it's something I absolutely love. So first of all, what should you be doing? Have you got your communication clear? That's very important. And then, uh, yes, you do need to work out uh, your week. But again, it all depends on priorities. What's important, you know, if, for example, um, you've got suddenly find out you've got a CQC inspection coming up in three, four weeks' time. That's going to be your priority. However, there are fundamental key things in a business that are really important that you are working on at all times, which are your sales systems, uh, your finance, your marketing, your team development, your HR, your system development. There's key fundamental things in the business that must be addressed constantly. So it's quite hard to say how it should be split as a whole because it's so different for every single manager, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it definitely is. But what I would uh, say is that a lot of time is wasted with the team coming in and out as they want to. So lots of practice have what I call an open uh, door policy, which I absolutely hate. I think it's the worst thing in practice. I'm available 24 hours a day. Well, you're not available 24 hours a day because if you have a drop-in center all day, then that's exactly what you'll get, a drop-in center. So you are unable to be proactive, um, even if you are doing a project. And if you're doing something that is sensitive, then you are constantly trying to cover it up, hide it, whatever it may be, because you've got somebody uh, coming in and out. So you've got a lot of disruptions going on through your day. So for my top tip, really, is you've got to manage your disruptions. So at the start of the day, walk in, set it up, make sure that everybody's where they're supposed to be, that they're comfortable, that they're well enough to be in the job, that there's no one-to-ones that need doing, there's no welfare that needs doing right at the start of the day. If people are returning back to work, do their back-to-work interviews right at the start of the day. Then I would door closed, you know, from 10 o'clock to half 11, 12 o'clock, shut your door, okay, and work on a project that's important, which Laura's already uh, talked about those. 
then I would either have your lunch slightly before the rest of the team or after the team um, and I would walk out of the practice for at least half an hour to give yourselves a break because I think that's really important so you don't spend your whole lunch hour answering team questions which again you need a break away which is really important um, and then you can have your open door policy over the lunchtime period for the team so that therefore if they want to drop in they can do um, and I would also book in your sales calls at that time as well so the front desk team are booking any 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 calls that you need to do and you can look at your emails so you can do a bit of what I call a bit of reactive management in that time after lunchtime is completed then have another block of project management time to work on an area that's important for uh, the business owners and yourself and then um, you need sort of an hour to close down walk around make sure your team are okay you know start to deal with any problems of close of day and things like that and recheck emails and blah 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 what we get uh, find out in practice managers is because we're very good multitaskers we also get distracted very easily so it's very easy to get distracted with something else that's totally irrelevant and totally unimportant but an email comes in I need to look at the email a staff member pops in I need to chat and have a conversation with them and actually is this the right time to be doing either of those tasks nine times out of ten it isn't um, so that's my top tip in that area yeah no and you're completely correct and just to share with you all there is a light at the end of the tunnel um, our, our management course is a big game changer for everyone who attends dentists and managers um, and day one does start with leadership communication and time management is a key part of that because there's a, a fantastic saying um, that leaders schedule their priorities and um, I absolutely love that and it's a huge light bulb moment and it's also a bit of panic when I'm getting practice managers to design their diaries where there's you know 90 minutes of do not disturb time once a day that's all there's a bit of panic about how the team are going to react but there's also the wow look what I'm going to achieve amazing you know so and, and it is fantastic it really is so yeah I'm up for an open door policy, but at the right time. So Mike and I, as always, are in agreement. Um, we've also had a couple of questions come through about membership. So I'm just going to tie both of those together, and then Mike's got a question that we want to read out as well. Um, so one person's contacted us saying, which company should I use? Uh, help, where do I start with this? And another person has said about, um, how can you add benefits into membership? So again, um, two, same subject, but two questions that we'll, we'll roll into one. Mike, do you want to start there? Yeah, so the important thing with membership is to make it very clear that you want patients to become a member and what your actual offer is going to be. One of the key things for me is that membership has got to be uh, cheaper there's got to be a saving for every patient becoming a member so that's first and foremost and for most practices I recommend that over a course of a year it's 10 to 15 pounds better you're better off uh, being a member than you are paying as you go because people add it up 
And that's where the next equation comes in. What practices tend to do is they tend to add up the amount of examinations, the amount of hygiene appointments, and then x-rays and emergency appointments and say, well, for an average person, they might have one x-ray per year, one emergency appointment within a, a two-year period, and they add a, a, a faction in. And therefore, it tends to make membership more expensive than it would be to pay as you go. And then you end up with a conversation with a patient that goes, well, if Laura, you did have uh, two or three x-rays, or if you did have an emergency appointment, do you know what? It's better to be a member. But if I don't, it's not. So that doesn't work for me at all. I think that's a disaster, darling. Um, so you need to make sure that the benefit needs to be that actually you don't pay for x-rays as part of diagnosis and if you need an emergency appointment then that is covered and you need to be very clear about what goes into an emergency appointment and again this is where practice go wrong is they start doing permanent treatment in an emergency appointment and not actually something temporary to get the patient out of pain and then have a conversation of the long-term solutions for treatment so we could go on and on about that but we won't but that's where mistakes are made then, of course, you do need to have an attractive preferential saving of somewhere between 10 to 20%, bearing in mind that the membership price should be the fee that your practice needs to run um, and not being something that's negative in the practice. So if I give a patient 15% uh, off a filling or a crown, then actually the practice is losing out. You shouldn't be losing out by patients being members. So that really outreaches that if you have a core system that saves the patient 10 to 15 uh, pounds a year and then you're offering um, diagnostics, so x-rays and pictures at no charge, you're offering emergency in-house procedure at no charge, most insurance providers um, will give you uh, an insurance, a worldwide um, trauma insurance anyway as part of the agreement. So you can talk about that. Most memberships have a redundancy package alongside, so you can talk about the advantages of those as well. And then you've got your preferential saving off treatment and some practices are giving a preferential saving off um, stock items that are within their practice as well. So off TP brushes, um, hygienist uh, packs, things like that. And I think that's a very core, great way to start. Yes, there are other scatterings that other practices do, but I think that overall, for most practices, that would work well. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem with it is that firstly, when it's priced wrong, um, so that there is that if and if and if that Michael's mentioned, the second thing is, um, that the treatments and the practice aren't priced correctly, so the practice is losing money. And the thing that re really gets my goat, what really gets me going with membership, is when team members end up becoming insurance salespeople. I just can't stand that because as a patient, if you were talking to me about membership and all you went on about was if, 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 and oh, you get redundancy cover and you get travel insurance or you know, travel cover, whatever it might be, you're selling me insurance. I do not want to be sold insurance. The other problem is that people use the word plan, which I detest, might detest. Oh, yeah. Who on earth wants to join up to a plan? You've got to make this really attractive. Do gyms? Are you, are you a plan member? Uh, I can't even not say the word member. Ah! But let's talk about gyms. Let's start again, Laura. Gyms, you're not on a plan. You're not on a fitness plan at the gym, are you? You're a member because they want you to feel that you belong. They want you to feel that you're comfortable there. And actually, it's the same in dentistry. So we absolutely hate 
Um, Remember, your pets are on a plan. Pets are on a plan. <laughs> so don't put your patients on a plan. They need to be a member, as Laura yeah. said. Um, also, one more, oh, sorry, darling. Sorry, one more thing to add um, is that I do not like capitation-based schemes. Membership should be um, examinations and hygienist appointments, and it should be prescribed based on clinical need. Patients shouldn't see a list of fees and different levels and what you get, and it shouldn't be ruby, platinum, diamond, or whatever, because I most certainly would want to be diamond. Um, they shouldn't be choosing based on price or anything else. It should be this is the one for you it's going to be 17 pounds 56 a month because that's what you need clinically and patients should be moving up and down uh, as they need to preferably down because their oral health is improving and i think that's another key benefit of membership patients are going to be coming more frequently their oral health is going to be better so that is great we're going to have to move on because we're really short on time um, but we've done three questions so far, so that's great. Mike, what's your one? Right, I've got a really juicy one here. You ready? Oh, okay. So, a lot of dentists are re either principals or self-employed associates. So, they cannot be told how to work, and you cannot infringe upon their clinical freedom. Therefore, what advice would you give to a dental team who is enthusiastic and proactive about creating the ultimate practice, but the dentist in the practice either cannot or will not change their ways. <laughs> well, that really is quite simple to deal with, isn't it, Michael? You say, bye-bye. Um, look, you know, it doesn't matter who it is that's working in your business, and it doesn't matter whether they're self-employed or employed. At the end of the day, if you have a vision, and this person quite clearly has, uh, if you have a vision and your team, any team member, even your cleaner, is not on board with that vision, then they have to go. They're not right for your business. They're actually damaging your business. They're going to cost you money. Um, and it's not about particularly with dentists or hygienists. It's not about saying clinically you must do this and clinically you must do that. It, this is the standards that we want to work to. For example, we want uh, rubber dam used on composites. Um, we do want a six-point pocket chart on every sextant that has a BPE score of three, and we want PA to that sextant too because that's what the guidance says. So if people aren't doing what you want them to do and you have clearly communicated verbally in training um, and in systems, uh, documented systems, what you want and they're not doing it, then you have to say goodbye. And that is awkward and it's uncomfortable, but once it's done, you'll feel a lot better. Yeah, and I would add to that that it's really important. And I think um, practices are getting really hung up about becoming a corporate in one practice. And it's not about that. It's about actually being a, the brand that you want to be. And brands that understand who they are mean that everybody that works in that brand, whether it's a very small business of like two or three people, like, you know, Laura and I work together, you know, we're a brand. You know, we work really hard on making sure that, you know, we are brand consistent within our organization. You could say, well, we could say what we want as two different consultants. That wouldn't work. <laughs> so it's the same for practice as well. If you've got more than one dentist, your communication and your clinical standards need to be on par with each other. They need to be brand consistent. And that does require the business owners to work hard with their clinicians, work hard with their team on the language they want talking about and the clinical standards and systems that they want them to operate in. So there is consistency. You can't have each dentist delivering a totally different new patient examination or a totally different filling appointment. It would 
would mean that maybe two members or three members of one family could come in and have three different experiences within your practice. And for me and for Laura, that would be a major concern. And that's, be, that's called being off-brand. Yeah, so it's not about being corporate related, it's about being off brand within your own practice and what you have decided is important to you and the type of experience that you want to deliver to your patients. Very good. Do you want another one? Or yeah, have you, have you got, I've got a quick one. Have you got a quick one? Got go three. on, you go with a quick one and I'll, I've okay. got like racks of questions here. Okay, so um, we will get all your questions answered. Our next hangout will be in June. So this is a very quick one. What is a USP? Uh, this came through Facebook. A USP is a unique selling point. And it's very important that every practice has strong, unique selling points and they're actively marketing and communicating those unique selling points as well. Our unique selling point is that we are from the grassroots of dentistry and between Michael and myself we have, ah, dare I say it, um, almost 40 years of combined experience in dentistry and um, so you know, you've know you got to have that unique selling point without a doubt so find yours and hopefully you've got a few uh, and, and push them out there but your number one USP should be so strong um, and really make you stand out from the crowd. I've got a quick one about uniforms, if you've got time for that. Oh, I love um, uniforms. Yeah, one is the importance of branded uniforms, question mark, question mark, question mark. And should the receptionist wear tunic, same as the uh, other staff, or suits and dresses? <gasps> you can see I'm so excited about that. I know you're so excited. I love it. Well, oh, do you know what really drives me crazy is when the front desk team are asked to wear their own clothes to work. It's just wrong. Why should they? And I just also feel that... Um, there's two things. One, I'm going to sound like a bit of a cow for this, but some people have got great taste in clothes, some people haven't. Um, secondly, some people can't afford uh, to be buying clothes for work, you know, clothes that they wouldn't normally wear out of work. And that's really unfair. I really don't like that. It's why schools have a uniform, so that everyone's equal, people aren't put under pressure. And I think that should apply in practice. They shouldn't necessarily have to wear the tunic if you don't want them to, but they have to wear a branded uniform, the same colours, um, it has to be very clear if they were, you know, sitting on a chair in the patient lounge talking to another patient. It has to be very clear to everyone else they are from your team. And also, it's the same for practice managers. They should be in a branded business dress. Not necessarily a dress, but branded business dresses in clothes. <laughs> well, I totally agree. You know that we're a massive fan of branding. I think it's so important that everybody looks on point. And also, shoes are very important as well. Yes, they seem Michael. to be a missed out item on everybody's list that uh, they look amazing. They've got a gorgeous, you know, beautiful suit on or a beautiful tunic and what have you. And then you look at the shoes and you go, oh dear. So, um, again... Yeah, it's really important that, you know, the shoes are taken uh, as part of, you know, the overall outfit as well. Again, to get it, uh, consistency because, you know, if they're nurses, they will go out and buy the very cheapest, you know, shoe possible um, yeah. to wear and they get damaged really quickly and they look awful. Okay. So that is something uh, to think about. I think we've run out of time, haven't we? Nearly. Yeah, we're out of time. And on that note, Michael, I already have chosen my um, branded uh, clothes for tomorrow for our course. Have you, darling? Yeah. I have not. <laughs> I think I'm wearing uh, a purple suit tomorrow. Oh. There oh. You go. 
Because <laughs> I'm a little bit slimmer, so I can get into the purple suit now. <laughs> I can <don't> clash. <laughs> Michael and I have the most beautiful, when we're doing big, big events, we have the most beautiful, um, Michael likes to wear bow ties, those of you who haven't seen him, so we have um, six, uh, Michael has six bow ties, I have six um, posies, brooches, so if you like to call them, um, and they, they all match, they're all made by the same people. So we always like, even though we might all be wearing black, for example, we will always have those on. So, you know, it's just something that, that we really like. Keep an eye out what we're wearing when you see us next. Right, the next Hawks and Hangout isn't going to happen until June. And that is actually going to be the end of June. And the reason for that is uh, we're actually going to be closed for a couple of weeks in June while we take some time out. Um, so please enjoy the Horton Hangout. Please keep listening back. Send us questions. We really appreciate you joining us. And especially if you're on the podcast, wonderful. Thank you so much and goodbye. Goodbye.